Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 167. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. So welcome back to another episode. This one is also amazing. You're going to meet another amazing human, and that is Dr. Narissa Crayer. She is a pediatric endocrinologist. She is a medical director in the biotech world. She is a lot of things. To me, what she really represents is classiness, poise, confidence, just a genuine spirit, a genuine heart, somebody who has great depth and great concern. That's what I really appreciate you. That's how I introduce you. How would you introduce you? Oh, thank you, Dina. I would introduce myself as a pediatric endocrinologist that works in the biotech arena, passionate about drug development for patients with rare diseases. I've spent my whole career doing that and uh, have really had lovely opportunities to work with families and patients during that. And I also would have to include the mom of two amazing young adults. Today's conversation, I'm hoping we can talk about climbing mountains and climbing mountains metaphorically, climbing mountains physically. It's a challenge that you have taken on and really exploring that because I think in some way, all of us are climbing mountains and we don't realize it. We don't give ourselves credit for it. We tell ourselves it should be easier. We should be going faster. So I really want to hear what is the process that you're going through, but first, would you introduce us into your latest adventure? Yes. Something I'm incredibly excited about. I was invited to join the Luke Temmerman Climb for Cancer team. We are a group of biotech and pharmaceutical executives that will be climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in February of 23. So we're only a few months out now. And this Climb for Cancer, we are raising more than a million dollars as a team for the Fred Hutch Cancer Center in Seattle, Washington. So this is something that uh, Luke Timmerman, he's a biotech journalist, has been doing for several years. And teams uh, every year climb either Mount Kilimanjaro or climb to the Mount Everest base camp. So our climb is Mount Kilimanjaro and uh, we'll be ascending to more than 19,000 wow. feet. What's the starting elevation that you that you go from? Yeah. So it's around a 4,000 and some feet. So about a 15,000 foot Delta over what time it's a seven day trip up and back. Right. Yeah. So you take five days to summit and, uh, two to come back. Oh my goodness. So when did you say yes? As soon as I got the invitation, <laughs> So it's funny, I'm laughing because we were talking about this as a team. There are a number of us on the team from the Boston area, and we've been climbing together to train. And we were all discussing one day about what was our decision-making process. And I've had a couple of colleagues that have done uh, these trips with Luke, 
As soon as I got the invitation, I wrote him back and said, yes, absolutely. And, you know, others were like, I have to check. I want to check in. And for me, it was a yes from the very beginning. And why yes? Because our mind offers so many reasons to say no. It's not practical. That's not a good time. It's going to be too much. I can't be away. Like I can think of all the excuses immediately available. The drive, um, I've personally been impacted by cancer. You know, I've told you this story, Dina, but my mother died of gastric cancer when I was 20 years old. And that was before, of course, I was in medical school and really before I understood a lot about gastric cancer, but my mom had none of the associated risk factors for gastric cancer that we would think about. And they, it was my freshman year of can, of uh, college that she was diagnosed. They actually said, we think she's only got about six months to live. My mom actually lived for almost three years, but did die in my senior year of college. So I've personally been very much impacted by losing my mother at such a young age. I, I really talk about I knew my mother as a child, but I didn't know my mother as a young woman. And I never got to experience that part of, of having her advice through getting married or having children. And then our family was also impacted again by cancer. My father remarried and just a, a lovely woman, very different than my mother, but she ultimately was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and died of ovarian cancer. So my father, you know, went through having two wives diagnosed and dying of cancer, which is just, it was incredibly difficult on him and, and also on our family. The charge that the Fred Hutch takes of, of looking for cures for all kinds of cancer really resonates with me, given this impact on our family. I think it's also, for me, it was a challenge. I, I love challenges in general. And um, this challenge, I think, was a way to have an impact, but also have an impact from the standpoint of the industry that we work in um, and be able to really show people that our industry is doing good and this is just a great example of sort of goal to have positive impacts on, on people and patients. Can you contrast what the experience, what the preparation is like? Because there's a huge mindset component. And then there's the physical realities, the physical challenges that go along with it. Can you start with mindset? I think each time I'm on a training climb or hike, I am saying to myself, yes, you might be tired. You can do another mile. You know, this is, it's, it's that approach of chunking things, right? I'm trying not to think about today. I'm going to hike five, six, seven miles, but it's just thinking about, I can hike a mile. I can hike another half of a mile. And so being able to come at it with that mindset that, I've accomplished hard things. This may be something hard, but I can accomplish this as well. And not getting overwhelmed by 
the large goal, but making small goals and achieving those literally one step at a time, I think has really helped me through all of the training thus far. I really appreciate that. Like I hear that in the moment, does it work out like that? (laughs) That you're able to have that quick reframe or remembering your why and just focusing on the next step. Like, what is it really like? Yeah, there are days. So I'm also in addition to the actual, just putting the miles in because that's, I'm at sea level in Boston, right? So I'm not really going to be able to acclimatize, but just putting the miles in is what they tell you you have to do to be able to climb Kelly. So I'm also working with a trainer and I'm going a couple of times a week to do cross training and lifting, et cetera. Honestly, that's my least favorite. I would rather go out and hike and be outdoors. The go to the gym, lift weights, bench press, do pull-ups and sit-ups and push-ups is really not my thing. And I do it in the morning. So in the mornings, when I get up on those days and my brain is saying, sleep a little longer, you could just stay in bed for another half an hour. I can think of one time in the last maybe four months, which I've been training for about four months, that I actually called my trainer and said, I'm not coming in. The mindset really is critical for that because I have to remind myself, you have a goal and you have to show up to be able to achieve it. And even when it's something that hurts or doing one more rep, you really feel like I'm not sure I can actually do it. I'm pushing myself past that and just showing myself that I really can do it. And I ask that question because it isn't all rainbows and daisies. Oh no. Like in the quiet, calm moments, oh yeah, I can do this. Right. It it all sounds good. Uh, but in the actuality, there are times that the mind is like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't know why I committed to this. It was that way with marathon training too. And I had to learn to let that just be there, not fight it. Just let it be there. Sometimes agree. It does. This really does suck. I don't know why I signed up for this. (laughs) So true. And and I think comparing it to your marathon training is, is very similar. One day we were on a training hike. There were, I think about four of us and we knew that it probably was going to rain, but it was just sprinkling a bit. And we've, we all said to each other, well, this is our opportunity to train in the rain because it might rain. We don't know. And I think each of us ended up falling at least one time. I fell twice. You have to get over the embarrassment that comes with that. Like, do my teammates think I'm weak or do my teammates think I won't be able to do this? That's not at all what came through in that training, right? If I had fallen on my own and no one else saw me, no big deal. But when you're with other people and they're your teammates, your brain is going to all of this judgment. And in fact, we all fell, we all watched each other fall and we all helped each other get up and we stayed with each other. You know, we're not leaving anybody behind. I think putting that judgment of ourself aside is so important because 
we're judging ourselves much more hard than anyone else is judging us. And that's true when I'm hiking and it's true at work. It's true with our friends. It's true throughout our lives. It's a high achiever thing. Maybe other humans do it too, but for sure, high achievers do it. We judge ourselves and we tell ourselves it's necessary because that's the motivation to keep going without realizing that is actually a lot of static and it keeps us from going faster. What I hear you describing is you got to get real and you got to get gritty. You've got to tell yourself things that are believable. For me, it was, I don't know if I can do this, but I know I'm not quitting. And that's what kept me going. Like that was the language, not you got this girl, like that language didn't work. I'm not quitting. That worked. How about for you? Yeah, I think you're right. It's being believable, right? It's that thought that's a believable thought. And I think going back to the, I can do one more rep, that's really believable. I guess some days if I'm saying, you know, I can put another 10 pounds on the bar, that might not be so believable, but doing one more rep, that's believable. Doing another half a mile, that's believable. And you're right. I've never been at 19,000 feet and I won't be until I get there in February. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll all as a team be able to make that summit. So Aaron and I, Aaron Wiseman and I went to Taos last year. And we went up to the ski resort and we did some hiking and we, we started with one goal and then we stretched the goal and we went a lot farther than we thought we could, (laughs) than we probably should. And there were some times that were so difficult. They were either really difficult for her or really difficult for me, but one of us acted as a counterbalance. Like it wasn't difficult for us at the same time, but it was getting close to it. Like we were getting near the top. I think we had gone like 2,500 feet or something and we had cell signal. And so we turned on the final countdown. You remember that song from like the eighties or nineties? And we were singing as loud as we could, just using that as a crutch to take the next step. That's all we had to do is take the next step and sing the song. I love it. That's great. (laughs) So let's switch over to the physical aspect how are you managing that? What kinds of things are you doing or, or other than what you've described? Yes. I like to think that cardiovascularly, I was in pretty good shape. I've, I've amped up the walking, as I mentioned, the cross training just to get, you know, stronger. I, I actually had an ACL tear that was repaired, but two tibial plateau fractures in the last several years as well. and so. I'm always worried a little about my right knee and that tibial plateau fracture. So I've been doing a lot of quad strengthening specifically around that knee, just to make sure that it's in the best shape I can get it in. Um, Riding my Peloton, uh, that's, I've added a number of rides. And then the weekends we're doing longer training. So, you know, we're out four or five hours hiking and climbing. We've got some beautiful areas. It's actually allowed me to be exposed to so many areas around my home that I did not even know existed. And so I've been able to explore and find new places to to hike, which has been a lot of fun as well. What have you had to let go of or drop to be able to be on this journey? You know, I think it has helped me prioritize. 
if I think about, you know, I just mentioned that we're hiking four or five hours on a weekend and, and some days it's Saturday and Sunday for four or five hours. So I've really had to prioritize what am I doing with my time and how am I structuring my week? So dropping things like scrolling on social media, that's just this buffer time. I've really had to prioritize and say, you've got a few hours to spend on your business. You've got a few hours to spend on work, more than a few hours probably, but really you have to make sure that you're putting that time in for your training. Yeah. Cause you can't condense it. A two hour hike is not the same as a four hour hike. Exactly. <laughs> not, not even close. You're absolutely right on that one. And I, <laughs> that comes from experience. It sounds like what you've had to do is evaluate the different habits and decide, are they in, a, in alignment with your goal or not in alignment with your goal? And I imagine that's probably every aspect of your life to take on this commitment. Climbing 15,000 feet is not an everyday task. No, it is not. And as a physician, you know, it's interesting. I think maybe we know too much. You know, I go into this and I've read everything I can get my hands on related to mountain sickness or altitude sickness. And I've thought about, I'm, I'm the only physician on the team. We have a number of PhDs and, and other MBAs and things like that. I'm the only physician on the team. Now, certainly we will have plenty of people with us from Alpine Ascents is the group that's taking us that are better trained for mountain sickness than I am as a pediatric endocrinologist. But I do feel some responsibility being on the mountain with my colleagues as a physician. And so I've been thinking about things like, should I make sure that my BCLS and my certification is up to date because working in the biopharma industry, I don't have to keep it up to date. So there's this added responsibility, I think, of being a physician on the climb, but then for myself, really diving into anything and everything I can do from a medical standpoint to try to avoid mountain sickness. Yeah, the statistics are pretty high, right? The higher you ascend, I was reading about it. It it starts at less than 10,000 feet and then the percentage climbs the higher that you go. Right. I think what you point out, it really universal to so many physicians, which is the assumed responsibility as the physician to care and to have that concern for others that we're with. So it's like not only just taking care of ourselves, but also what is it that I can do, need to do, anticipated I could be doing uh, for other colleagues. I think it's what drives a lot of us to medicine. We always have to balance that, of course, because, you know, I, I'm like I was saying, I mean, I, it's not my area of expertise. So you have to balance your responsibility with also, I guess it's a boundary around what is my job on that mountain on this particular climb. The textbook says that descent is cure. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but getting people to lower altitudes relieves the symptoms, which I think is very nice, especially if there's a large team to support you all. Exactly. So what have you had to pick up 
We talked about what have you had to drop, let go of, shed? What have you had to pick up? Isn't it funny? That's a much easier answer for me than the let go. <laughs> that has a lot to do with life in general and, and thought process, right? So literally I've picked up a kettlebell. So I'm training with weight in my backpack. So I'm training every climb I do. I have a 10 pound kettlebell right now, and I'm planning to amp that up to a 20 pound kettlebell. So I've picked that up on all of my hikes. I've had to pick up asking. So the fundraising piece, when you commit to hiking, you commit to raising $50,000 or more as part of the team. So as a team, we're raising more than a million dollars that comes with asking people for help. Say more. What has that been like? It has been uncomfortable. I won't try to uh, hide that. Asking people, and especially for money, for fundraising, has been vulnerable. You know, you're putting yourself out there. I told my story about my mom and stepmom, and I've I've put that story out there. That was very vulnerable for me. I tend to, in my um, work life, be relatively private. And so sharing that story with a number of people that I work with was vulnerable. I've had to turn it around and not make it about me asking. The ask is coming from me, but the ask is for an incredibly valuable cause. The work that the Fred Hutch Cancer Center does is world-renowned work to try to find cures for cancer. And so when I frame it that way and take it away from being about what I have to do or the uncomfortableness that it brings to me and what is the ask for and the value of it, that really just changes the whole way I think about it. But initially it was hard to start sending those first emails and outreaches to ask. When there's a task or something we want to accomplish, we see ourselves in the mirror. And then we're like, we find all the flaws. Oh, I don't know. They're probably not going to say yes. It's, uh, And if we take that mirror away and we see what's on the other side of it. So what's on the other side is a family that may not have to say goodbye so soon to their loved one. What's on the other side is a child having a better chance. What's on the other side is more cures, more opportunity, perhaps more people going into science because now there's funding for their research then the clarity comes like, of course, we're going to do this. Of course, I'm going to share this. Of course, I'm going to focus on that and help people see a year, 10 years down the road. Exactly. That's so true. You, you just really have to take your ego out of it and focus on whatever, whatever the cause is. And in this case, it's looking for cures for cancer. The whole process of climbing a mountain physically, metaphorically, is about evolving oneself. And that evolution is like a reconstruction, right? Tearing things down, building things up to do something in a new way that hasn't been done before, hasn't been done this way before. And that's what you've been walking us through. And I really appreciate it because it is a mindset piece of shedding what doesn't work, shedding what's now holding back and gaining the habits, the beliefs, the processes to become stronger, to keep going. Very well said. So are you ready? 
<laughs> I am ready. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I am not ready from a gear standpoint. I will say I need to I've got a long gear list. And so things on the gear list that I'm not even sure I've ever seen before these puffy pants that are meant to keep you warm at the summit, um, things like that. So I do have some organization piece that I need to get my head wrapped around, but from the standpoint of being motivated and invigorated about this, I'm ready. What scares you? I think what scares me most is the possibility that I might not summit. And you have to go into this climb knowing that that is a possibility. Not everyone always summits. They have a pretty good success rate uh, with this team. Dealing with the potential disappointment of that, I've already tried to start wrapping my mind around that even if I make it to day six instead of day seven, or make it almost to the top, there's still incredible success and accomplishment in that. But I am scared about the disappointment that could come without being able to, to summit. Yeah. There's no way to possibly know, No, right. There's no way to possibly know what your body's going to feel like and how your body's going to handle the environmental stressors. What I appreciate about what you shared is that you can decide what success looks like right now, rather than six, there's only one definition of success and that's reaching the summit, which is not, not true at all. There's millions of definitions of success and which ones do you want to choose and which ones will you hold yourself to? Because it's so easy to move the mark and say, well, I said success was saying yes and doing the training, but really success was going to the summit. Like you can't do that. You got to hold yourself to this is what I decided. I'm going to stick with it. So true. And isn't that true in life in general? You know, you can think about that and apply that to your career. You can apply it to being a parent, you can apply it to so many things, building a business like you and I have done. It's not about the necessary end goal is that journey where all of the growth is happening. What excites you? Oh, so many things. Uh, I had the opportunity to be in both Rwanda and Tanzania earlier this year on a personal trip, trip of a lifetime, I thought. And I never really imagined I would necessarily go back to Tanzania and here I am having the opportunity to go back. So I'm incredibly excited. I, I just really, I loved the people in Tanzania and Rwanda. And so I'm, in, I'm just incredibly excited about being able to be in Tanzania again. I'm excited about getting to know my team members who I still haven't met all of them, they're incredibly smart people. You know, they come from all aspects of our biopharma industry. So incredibly dynamic, interesting to so being with them. And obviously we're going to be spending a lot of time together. So getting to know a, a new network of colleagues, I'm excited about. I'm excited about seeing Kilimanjaro. When we were in Tanzania, we were in a different part of the country. So I never actually saw it, didn't even see the, the tip of it. So I'm excited about seeing it as well. 
what an experience of mental and physical agility to do this. What do you think you'll be saying the week after? I think that I'll be reflecting on the learnings. In the last few years with coaching, life coaching, journaling and reflecting has become really important. I really want to be able to take those learnings and document them. I think celebrating the team's success in obviously multiple ways, you know, the the raise that we're doing, the success of the team and getting to the summit or getting as far as we get. So I think that there will be a lot of celebration in that in that week after as well. What I remember from the marathon was crossing the finish line and having such pride for getting there, for Craig and I getting there. Like I was so proud of us. I still feel proud of us. It was such a visceral sense in addition to like being the thought, like I could feel it in my whole body that tears just came to my eyes. Oh, I'm so proud of us. It's the reason I want to do another marathon is to have that feeling. It's an incredible feeling. Something that just came to mind throughout my life, I have been very goal oriented. And so I've never run a marathon. I ran a half marathon and that was setting the goal and doing the training. I think coming out of Kilimanjaro training, something has switched in that I wasn't a big hiker or climber before, but I don't think that I'm going to need the next mountain to climb to continue being out in nature, hiking a lot. I've found a love for it that is peaceful and brings contentment. I'm really proud of that actually, because I don't want to always have to have that end goal to train for, to find that happiness that you're describing. I I didn't think about that when we were first talking, but I think that that is something that's come out of this that will be life-changing. One of the things that happens for a lot of physicians is that we have this idea of what things are going to feel like when we get there. I'm going to feel amazing when I graduate from medical school. And then, and we get there and we're like, oh, that was good. I'm going to feel amazing when I graduate from training. And then we're like, oh, that was good. I'm going to feel amazing when I, and we keep doing that and we never feel that way. So we, it keeps moving the marker, the next achievement, the next achievement, the next achievement, I'm going to feel it. And it keeps us on this, this sense of the next big thing. And what you just pointed out was it isn't the big thing. It's who I'm becoming. And I can keep that up. It's so true. And we can't change our past, but if I could impart wisdom on some of our young trainees, it's really engage, focus on what's happening day to day and be grateful for it, process it, feel it versus trying to have that accomplishment to give you the feel not just our young trainees, I guess anyone listening, you know, my, my young adult children trying to impart that wisdom on them. I'm incredibly grateful that that's something that has come from this invitation. So we're all climbing a mountain of some sorts. 
whether it's we're repairing relationships or we're dealing with new diagnoses or we've had a change in our family structure, we've lost a job, we're building a business, like we're all climbing. What advice do you have for us? So my advice would be set your goal and build your plan to achieve the goal. The negative thoughts that are going to come up, you have to choose thoughts that are believable, that are going to help you accomplish those day-to-day steps that will get you to your goal. I also think that my advice would be you have to be willing to fail to be able to achieve your goal. And that to me is such an important part of taking risks, taking opportunities. I could have sat back and said, I'm not sure I can raise the money. I'm not sure I can really reach the summit or do the training. But what an opportunity I would have missed out on if I wasn't willing to take all of those risks. I guess if I would summarize a bit of the rambling I just did, it's take the risk, put yourself out there so that you can really feel and live life. And what you describe, like the fall in the rain on the hike, that will happen. It's not if it happens, that will happen. That is part of the experience. And one could say that's failing. It's not. It's part of the experience and it's learning to do things differently or it's learning just how to stand back up. Really, it's reframing, right? That's what you just did. It's reframing. If we stop telling ourselves that falling down is failure and tell ourselves that falling down is learning, what a different vantage that is. And it just changes everything. I use that at work more as well. We don't go in knowing how to do everything. If we did, how boring would life be actually? So we're all always learning. Applying that across every aspect of your life, I think is very freeing. We don't learn about ourselves and who we really are when it's calm and still and quiet. We learn about ourselves with adversity. The first time I really realized that was only a couple months ago in Sedona. Like I really, at a core level, believe that it is adversity that brings out who we are and it's adversity that really fuels the fire of what we stand for, who we stand with, the the values that we uphold, the tenacity of which we live life. It has to be there. So challenges like this really get us to put into action and discover those underlying beliefs that are supportive or not supportive and really fine tune who we are and help us become even better. I'm cheering for you. I'm proud to know you, to be a supporter of you. Where can people find you? Yes. So um, we can perhaps add the fundraising page to the show notes. Totally. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Narissa Crayer, and you can find me at uh, Industry MD Coach as well. Is there a way to like track your journey to know where you're at in real time? Yes, actually. Thank you for that reminder. So uh, my daughter has created an Instagram page as well. And I'll have to provide the uh, link for you. I think it's journey to Kilimanjaro and the two is with a two. Okay. uh, The number two. So I'll provide that to you. But um, 
I'm tracking all of my uh, major hikes, um, documenting uh, my major sponsors. So it's been a really fun Instagram page to keep up with. Everyone listening, we can think about Narissa, we can pray for Narissa, we can donate to the campaign, we can follow in real time. There's lots of things that we can do to support her journey. And there's lots of things that we can do to support our own journey and to share the journey with others like she has shared this journey with us because we are all climbing mountains. Final thoughts? Just a thank you to you, Dina. Uh, You so eloquently summarize and put thoughts together. And I'm just really grateful to be able to know you and appreciate everything that you do. Thank you so much. I love you and I'm cheering for you. Uh, Thank you so much.